Hey, everybody, it's Wednesday, May 4th, 2022, and you are listening to the Pure Capital Podcast. Today on the podcast, it is the first week of the month, so we are talking real estate. Specifically, we're going to talk about interest rates. So how does an interest rate hike up or an interest rate drop affect the real estate market? How does it affect the prices? How does it affect the cash flows? How does it affect different areas? And how does it affect that market overall? So what are we looking at? Are we looking at prices going higher, prices going lower? How does that affect your portfolio overall as well? So with that, just to give you guys a quick update here, we are we are back. Um, you know, historically, we've been doing this podcast on Saturdays. We are moving to a new time. So we will be here with you every single Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. So Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time is when we will go live. So for every, anybody who enjoys listening to us and wants to ask questions or, or dig deeper into this conversation, uh, feel free to call in. We're on the call-in app. Um, call in. We'll take your calls. Uh, and you can listen live with us and, and do some participation. So with that, today we're talking interest rates. James, hop on. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Norm. We're back in... Uh... I know we uh, paused it there for a little bit. I promise you guys that it was uh, worth a lot of good things we've been building and working on. And hopefully, you know, later this month or next month, we'll have some more uh, solid updates around that. But I'm excited to be back, bring the fire, bring the heat, uh, talk about these these uh, on-fire interest rates and, uh, you know, see what we can chat through on this topic. Yeah, very good. So let's let's dive right into this thing. So today was uh, the Federal Reserve meeting and we got... For the first time since 2000, we got a 50 basis point rate rate hike. So what that means, the federal funds rate uh, was raised half a percent today. Um, and the Fed also talked about um, starting to unwind their balance sheet in June. So that means instead of quantitative easing, so instead of going out and purchasing uh, treasury bills and purchasing mortgage-backed securities, they're actually going to be shelling those back off into the market um, starting in June. Uh, I didn't. I haven't had an opportunity to read uh, read through the transcript yet, and, and unfortunately today I, I missed uh, the press conference. Um, but from what what I could gather, uh, it sounded like you know more more hikes to come. And I will also say that you know the market is saying more more hikes to come so you know at this point the market is is really pricing in 50 basis point or more hikes for the next three to four meetings um, which is crazy to think about compared to where we've been in the past grand scheme if you look out over a hundred years um you know it's not anything crazy right but if you look short term, if we all rely on that recency bias that we have and we look short term, um, it, it's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. But also what's crazy to think about is the fact that we're our core inflation numbers, our core CPI is at eight and a half percent, you know, compared to below two for the last 40 years. So, um Really, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about just kind of the the way that this has affected real estate. I want to talk about some of the different types of markets that are within real estate and how how 
the ins and outs of interest rates going up and down affects it. And, and I think I want to just kind of start back in 2020 and and kind of tell the story uh, here. You know, so in, in 2020, um, as we went into COVID, we dropped rates at a substantial uh substantial clicks. So, I mean, we went down to the lowest interest rates, mortgage interest rates in history. Um, so no other time throughout history have mortgage rates been so low. And that really kicked off this just boom in the real estate market that happened what what feels like almost on a on the turn of a dime. You know, it was very, very much related to that historical low rates. It pushed a lot of people into the market and put a lot of people in positions where they really started scooping up inventory and driving driving prices up. So it did that on, on two fronts, right? It did it from a consumer standpoint because your consumers, your people who are actually going out and buying houses, first-time home buyers, people who are selling their old houses and moving into new houses, um, their dollars were effectively going further because real estate is so highly leveraged, you know, from a, a, from a consumer standpoint, I mean, you, you can put as little as 3%, 3.5% down on a, on a mortgage, right? So you're 97% levered on that asset. Well, I, I should be careful with the term asset here because uh, your own personal house is, is definitely not an asset to you, but um, but you get, you get the picture you're levered up 90, 97%. So when an interest rate is as low as it is, and people look at things today in kind of today's day and age, everybody looks at things from the standpoint of payments, right? Those payments are so low to own that house, um, that a lot of people were driven into the real estate market, uh, because of that. So a lot of people, their money could go further. They could lever up. They could get into more and more debt and they could consume and buy more stuff. Now, on top of that, everybody was shut down for a year, two years, um, and they were saving money. They weren't spending money. So, so you have all these consumers kind of flush with cash going into the real estate market and, and starting to buy things up at these super low rates. And that's just the consumer side of things, Right. The next thing to talk about is the investor side of things, which is much more robust. Yeah, I, I love that point, Norm. I think it's so fascinating to think through how, as you know, a society for a year, we basically hunkered down and everyone was, for the most part, I mean, obviously there were layoffs, right? But for the most part, a lot of people were still working and, and saving money and weren't going on vacations or trips or uh, buying a new whatever, right? They were just saving that money. And, and to your point, they then coming out of that with these all time low rates, were able to just go and afford, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars more than they could have, you know, two years before or a year before. Um, something interesting I want to talk about just briefly from a numbers standpoint. So Norm just talked about how, you know, these interest rates affect the per month cost for the house. So when you really start to zoom out and look at it, I mean, Norm, what would you say, I'm, I'm just going to run a calculation. What would you say is, is a decent rate to use for what the all-time low rate would have been on like a 30-year mortgage? You say like three and a half, uh, three. Ac actually, we got all the way down into like the two five range, believe it or not. I know that's okay. that's hard for some people to believe, but we got 
we got way the heck down there. So for and a quick example, before we jump over to the investor side, if you were uh, uh, buying a primary residence, right? And you, you were saying, hey, I want to go buy a house for $250,000. And if you were going to do that, you're going to get a 30-year 30 uh, note uh, loan from the bank to get this house. And you did that at these all-time low rates that Norm just mentioned at 2.5. Your monthly payment with no money down um, would be roughly $1,218. Fast forward, what now? Almost just roughly a year and a half since probably that all-time low, maybe less. And right, I think today, you know, we were right at, what would you say, Norm? Five and a half but around there? Five, yeah, 5.5, I think, is where the 30-year uh, 30 30 closed. So when you run those same numbers, if you're an individual right now and you're going to go get a $250,000 house and your 30-year note interest rate is 5.5%, your monthly payment is now sixteen fifty. So just in the course of that time, your monthly payment has gone from $1,218 to sixteen fifty, which per month is around $430. And when you multiply that by you know twelve months, now you're sitting right under five grand. So that really starts to paint a picture here of how much this is going to impact the type of house and the you know ability that the consumers are going to have to purchase. And it will be interesting to see because a lot of people, and Norm, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but a lot of people are saying, hey, with these rates going up, this is naturally going to bring the prices down because obviously they're saying that the supply of inventory will start to increase because not as many people will be buying and then prices will be driven down. But I'm curious to think through or, or hear your thoughts on, you know, is this market just going to now just price out, you know, 50 or 60% of people, what there's still going to be that 40, 50% or some percentage of folks who could still afford this house at this rate? Like what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So that, that's a great question because, so like I was saying, and, and we haven't got into the best investor side of this yet because, but that really supercharges everything that I'm getting ready to say here. Um, but those interest rates were low. People were flooding into, into the market. Their money could go further on a monthly basis. Just like you, just like you explained there, James. Um, and that, fueled prices just being bid up like nobody's business. So we're hitting a point, we're hitting kind of this inflection point right now where prices are high enough that people have still been able to uh, kind of stretch and, and get stuff bought and, and buy and move into that new house. Um, but as prices go up like that, uh, when you start getting those interest rate increases and those interest rates start pushing up, um, then all of a sudden you start pricing a whole bunch of people out of the market. So I think for the general consumer that's not sitting on or that has burnt through that excess cash that they've had um, here in the past, I, I think it's going to start to put them into this tight spot when it comes to purchasing real estate. Now, now that I've said that, I don't think prices are coming down. <laughs> I, I actually don't necessarily believe that prices are going down. And I think that has a lot to do with the investment side of things um, and that the demand that's flying into the market from the investment side of things. Now, some of that's been slowing and I'll, I'll talk through that here in a second, but um, you still have people moving 
on properties from an investment side of things because of this massive inflation that's going on. So, you know, we're, we're at eight and a half percent inflation and a lot of investors, a lot of people who do have the capital are looking for places to hide that money, looking for places to put that. And at an interest rate, that's five and a half percent. Now on the investor side, it's a little bit more than that, about a point and a half more than that. Um, compared to an inflation that's eight and a half, you know, there's still good value there, right? There's still good, uh, a 30 year fixed rate mortgage is still, still has the potential to be a hedge against inflation rather than just setting in that, in that cash position. So go go ahead. Yeah. I I would say, I I would love to break that down just to put it in, in a little, in more of layman's terms. So you're, you're basically, just to repeat this, you're basically saying that even though a lot of residential people who are looking to buy a primary residence, single family home, maybe they're getting priced out of the market. But from an investor standpoint, be, even though rates are rising and it's still you know more per month for the investor to hold that property, because inflation is rising even more than the rates are being uh, you know, lifted, if they're going to expect to get rent or do a short-term rental on Airbnb, inflation has pushed those prices up so high that it still, you know, covers the investor's mortgage and then some. Is that kind of the the uh, core of what you're getting at? Yeah, and the investors are going to raise those prices with that inflation as well. But just on a like simple one-to-one scale, if you sit back and you think about it, if your inflation is eight and a half percent, that means you're diminishing your purchasing power. By eight and a half percent, so your do- your dollar is worth less when it's sitting around doing nothing, by eight and a half percent per year. And if you have a mortgage at five and a half percent, or a, a commercial mortgage at six and a half, or even seven percent now, um, there's still a spread there, right? You still are actually gaining are gaining value on that money by by having that mortgage put in place. And then on top of that, if you can put yourself in a position where you're cash flowing, where you have, where you're servicing your debt, so you have debt paid on, you have cash flow, you have um, depreciation that's happening on those investment properties, you know, the equation doesn't look as good as what it did, but it, the equation is still not a bad equation for from an investor standpoint. Um, now, I will I will bring up sort of a little bit of a caveat here and say that. Uh, I think that different markets, different real estate markets have different ebbs and flows and have kind of different profiles associated with this from an investor standpoint, though. You know, your highly, highly cyclical markets, I think that they probably will be affected a little bit more by these interest rates um, from an investor standpoint than some of your uh, flatter markets. So some of your more linear markets. Uh, and, and so what, what do I mean by that? I mean, like your highly cyclical markets, you can think of places like California, Florida, New York, these highly dense, highly sought after areas um, that people who tend to have a little bit more wealth behind them are rushing into to these areas. Um, so they get bid up faster and they start to balance each other out a little bit more quickly. Um, so the edge kind of gets taken out of the market a little bit more 
And as those interest rates go up, you know, your realtors are typically listing stuff and trying to push prices continuously. So as things are going up, they're listing and pushing prices and listing and pushing prices. And, and the buyers, particularly investment buyers, are coming in and they're just chewing up that inventory. And at some point in time, the equation flips, right? So if you have a, uh, let's say a, a million dollar property um, that gets bid up to 2 million and it was doing, it's doing, you know, we'll say $150,000 worth of rents. Uh, and when it gets bid up to 2 million, it's not doing much more than that. At 1 million, you were generating a ton of cash flow on that, right? At 1 million in a low interest rate, you're generating a ton of cash flow. At 2 million in a low interest rate, you're not generating as much, but you're generating still a lot of cash flow. But at two million and a high interest rate, all of a sudden your cash flow gets squeezed down to down to zero. And at that point, I think you can see some of those markets start to pull back just a just a hair, you know, until those cash flow um, ratios kind of fall back into place, or until the Fed puts us in a position where they break the market, they break the economy enough that they start lowering rates again, right? They start to push things back down in the other into the other direction or the market starts lowering rates and in, in anticipation of that of that happening um, until it gets put back into that place and then your boom is your boom is kind of back on right but there's this very kind of intricate ebb and flow in these highly highly cyclical markets that I think you have to I think you have to be aware of and I think you have to be paying attention to you know as these realtors start to especially if you're if you're accumulating inventory in a particular market and it's a cyclical market as these realtors push prices up and up and up and up and up you have to be very keen and very attuned to where that kind of market um what's going on with those interest rates and where that market kind of starts to stagnate at because you could have these high prices that are out there but nobody really consuming that inventory. And at that point in time, you want to make sure that you're putting in offers that aren't anywhere close to that. And, and typically the realtors are going to be continuing to push you to put in these high offers when the reality is you don't really need to. And, and I think when it comes right down to it, they just, they don't recognize it as quickly as a savvy investor does um, that things have changed. And, you're not, you're not foot to the floor, um, bid on, you know, your risk off at, at that point. That's a really, those are all really great points. What, one question that, um, that I have, and I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, and are just kind of thinking out there because you kind of hinted at it at the end of the way that the Fed could impact, uh, the rest of this. And obviously we had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had what, a minus 1.4, percent in GDP less for this past quarter. Um, yep. So we, we have, we have had, you know, the first it's uh, what two in a row, right? For a recession. So, yeah. Two, two quarters um, of negative GDP um, put us negative GDP growth, put us in a recession. So, so we've, we've got one quarter out of the way. So my, I think a question that a lot of people are, are probably thinking through right now is, you know, is this the, 
is this the new floor, even though there's a, you know, new kind of recession that's kind of looming over the economy right now? Um, you know, I'm really curious around the psychology of it, because I feel like there's multiple psychology, um, you know, mindsets here at play where obviously, you know, if I'm a consumer uh, and I'm buying a residential property to live in, you know, I'm obviously occupying that property. I'm probably not going to try to sell it now because it's a lot harder to probably go and find a similar type house at a similar price point with the same, you know, good interest rate I got maybe six, 12, 18 months ago. And I'm probably not willing to sell for less than I got it, you know, unless I'm maybe really in a pinch. Uh, but then what, you know, you know, contrast that to how is an investor approaching this? I think a big thing that people don't realize necessarily, and I don't have the numbers on it sadly in front of me, but there have been in the, because of this uh, influx of capital, there's been a significant amount, uh, a big increase in the percentage of properties uh, across the U S especially in these major cities you're talking about where investors at scale have been, been scooping up properties. And so they're obviously coming at it with a very different, you know, psychology and, and what, what they have is there for. So I guess, you know, what, what's your thoughts on, you know, is this the new, floor for the real estate market is this something where we're going to maybe just go sideways here for the next you know couple years or we're going to see how this recession plays out or do you think there's a chance that this thing kind of just drops off uh based on some of the the psychology and how people are thinking through this yeah james that's such that's such a good question and and um it's a hard one to answer you know it's a it's a hard one to give a good definition around, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take a shot at here. I'm going to tell you guys just kind of what I think, where I think things are going and, and give kind of the, the pluses and minuses um, as it relates to the Fed. So the Fed's hiked rates three quarters of a, of a percent, 750 basis points, which frankly is not very much, right? It, it really, truly is not that much. And that that being said, they've been signaling and signaling and signaling uh, lots of hikes, right? And the market has really started to kind of price this stuff in. So the market is actually out there saying today that interest rates are higher. You know, they're pricing higher interest rates and they're saying that you know, th this economy, this this economy that we have really isn't as strong as everybody thinks that it is. And, you know, when we post negative GDP, um, you know, this early in a in a rate hiking cycle, like to me, that's a pretty, um, pretty telling sign that that they're right. OK, so what is, what does that actually actually mean for the for the future? Well, to me, what it means is that I don't think that the Fed is going to go through with as many of these rate hikes as everybody thinks that they are. Um, and, and the net result of that is, you know, I think that this market's going to break a lot, a lot quicker um, than what, you know, it's being talked about and it's being projected as. Um, and the Fed is going to have to react to that and lower interest rates a lot quicker than what is being projected. Now, a, a lot of this has to do with, you know, how the economy continues to roll and what really happens with inflation. Um, you know, we push into 
we push into a recession and inflation continues to to roll on and go higher, like there's gonna <laughs> there's no good decision there, right? It's a very tough decision to make on continuing to hike and and hopefully pull back inflation while we drive ourselves further into a recession. Um, but as it relates to real estate prices, what happens in that situation? Uh, I think I think what happens is they stay where they're at. They stay kind of stagnant, if not dip a little. Um, so, you know, I do think that real estate prices are going to either hold steady or start to pull back. They definitely, especially in cyclical markets, they definitely are stagnating a little bit. So they're not ripping along like they like they were even even one month ago. They were still ripping higher. Um, they've started to stagnate, and I think they're going to continue to stagnate. And then, however, whatever happens uh, when it comes to the Fed, so however they interpret that that data, you know, they they put us in a recession and they break this thing faster and they lower interest rates, I think you're going to see real estate prices continue to march higher. Um, and I know that's kind of counterintuitive uh, to people, but if you think about from an investment standpoint, that kind of cash flow uh, profile with the thought process that the lower interest rate allows you to buy more and allows you to cash flow better at higher prices, um, I think if they start to pull back because they break something in the market, uh, then I really think that you're going to see higher real estate prices um, over, we'll say, we'll say the midterm. I think in the short term, I think you're going to see some stagnation, maybe a little bit of decline, but I really, really don't think that we're going to see any sort of decline that people um, that people think we're going to see. Uh, you know, I, you, you hear people who have this kind of recency bias from 08 who are like, oh, well, things ran up and now it's the bust is going to be going to be on. I don't think that that's really the case. Well, and, um, and for and for context, I mean, the the situation in 08 was was actually related to the housing market. Correct. I mean, it, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was three major three major things coming together at the at the same time. Yeah. It was the real estate cycle. It was a real estate cycle low. It was a debt cycle high, and it was a business cycle um, low. Which you know, things like that happen every hundred, two hundred years, right? They don't happen that often. That, that things line up beautifully like that to really cause chaos, um, and people's debt load be as high as what it was in that in that time frame. Now, yeah. You know, I think I think debt loads are up right now for sure, uh, but I really think that it's a little bit of a different, um, different type of a scenario, and and it really is going to come down to, you know, whether we continue how far, how many hikes it takes before we we break ourselves. If we can hike all the way up to you know five six percent on a Fed's fund rate, Fed funds rate, and interest rates are up in the 11 to 12 percent, 13 percent range range for Morgan for mortgages. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a rollback in in prices. But so how 
how does that, I guess my question then with the, cause you just got hinted at it with the, you know, raisin, raisin rates. So, you know, if we have another quarter of, you know, the, the main reason why the fed is raising rates is because they're trying to slow this inflation train down. Right. And so if, and, and they've, they've clearly started to affect obviously the negative GDP growth, which is kind of signaling towards things are at least starting to simmer down a little bit. If we have another quarter where we have that, it triggers us into a, you know, a, a official recession by definition, you know, ha, what do you think the Fed's outlook is going to be at that point? You know, do they feel like maybe then they've jumped the gun too much? Now they've kind of, we've gone from complete extreme now back to the other side and then that could cause, you know, like how, is, how would that situation and scenario, because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about it, um, how would that affect rates, which would then ultimately affect, you know, people's timelines on new, purchasing new homes or other investment properties, et cetera. So I think that they're going to look at if say we hit that second uh, quarter of, of negative um, GDP. Uh, if that results in a decent little uptick in unemployment, then I think the fed immediately goes, um, goes dovish and they start stop. They don't, continue to raise rates, if not start lowering rates, right? The other, the other thing that's a factor here um, that is not supposed to be a factor, but is a factor <laughs> uh, is the stock market. You know, I, the, the Fed's not supposed to, st- to pay any attention to that or care about it or, or, you know, have any opinion on that, right? But if you find yourself in this limit down position where you have, long-term investors, these 401k investors just getting absolutely hammered and and wiped out, then, you know, I think that results in them starting to change their tune a little bit. And, and man, I just think that that stuff is coming way sooner than what we expect or than what it's being projected as it's than what people are saying. Right. I think we're in a lot worse spot economically than what we're being uh, portrayed to be. And I think that small rate hikes are going to result in um, a lot quicker increase in unemployment and us moving into a recession a lot quicker. Now, that doesn't mean, as it relates, you know, to take this back to, to real estate prices, that doesn't mean that you have a real estate crash, Right. It doesn't mean that your real estate prices go down. In fact, it could mean the opposite because if you go from an expectation of rates to go up another 2% before the end of the year, and instead you get zero increase in rates between now and the end of the year, then all of a sudden your, your market starts to bid down. And all of a sudden you're back into risk on for real estate investors because the payments are smaller, the cash flow is greater, and it and the money goes further. You also would likely start to put a little bit more inflationary pressure on, which is gonna mean that rents can get drove up. You know, so it it's it's interesting. It's hard to think about, it's hard to disconnect those two things and think about them differently because I think a lot of people hear the word recession and they immediately think they associate recession with housing crash, right? And that's not necessarily the case. In fact, I think more often than not, it's actually not the case. Um, 
but we have so much recency bias from 2008 that that is just ingrained kind of in our brains. Hmm. What, what are your thoughts on, uh, and I'm just kind of spitballing here now, but, um, you know, maybe a little bit around stagflation and, and, um, you know, that kind of ties into this and what we're talking about. If, if we do have another quarter of, of growth, of negative growth, and then that puts us into a recession, but because of maybe supply chain issues or other looming factors, inflation still continues to, to pace higher to maybe nine and a half or, or, or state is similar, you know, is that a major concern here? And maybe just a little context for folks around why stagflation is possible and kind of what it is in this situation. I feel like that's a, a very uh, important thing to kind of understand as people are trying to really hone in on what's even going on with the economy and, and the housing market right now. I, I actually, James, I actually think that a stagflationary situation is almost in, inevitable. Um, yeah. And the reason that I think that is because you have inflation continuing to to go up on kind of an even clip. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why that's happening. Consumer prices going up. Um, you know, if, if we want to get technical on definitions, we probably shouldn't call it inflation. We should call it consumer prices rising um, because there is no monetary easing that's going on. So it's not really a monetary thing that's happening uh, from an inflationary standpoint, but, but consumer prices going up. Um, and there's a lot of things that are causing that. So we, we were doing true QE. We did an enormous amount of quantitative easing throughout 2000 and 2001. Uh, while at the same time we did a whole bunch of fiscal easing. So we, we, when people really did not need it, right. Some people did, don't get me wrong, but most people did not need it. They were flush with cash from doing nothing and they had super low interest rates. We cut them government checks, um, paid directly into their bank account on top of it. So like the combination well, of and, and the number, the number of how much new money was, has cut, well, I, I just Googled it actually before this. I think it was like 80% of the dollars that exist now were printed in the last like 22 months or something. From it's, like it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Is, but it's, it's just when you really think about it in that grand scheme of it of like, okay, since the US dollar has even been printed and existed, and we're saying that pretty much the majority of it has been printed in the last, you know, 22 months or, or ever since COVID, like we really don't know we're we're in uncharted waters, right? I mean, we don't know yeah. where this can go from here because of how much, you know, we had like a decently stable environment and then it was like someone opened the floodgates and now people are probably just going to trying to have to swim to 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 stick with the pace of inflation so what i guess one thing real quick um with the stagflation note so just to give a a, a brief uh definition here and what why why it's important is and it's just a quick google stagflation describes the dual threat of stagnant economic growth and persistent inflation what that means is that means that you know, traditionally, even right now, let's say when you when you have inflation and inflation's rising, uh, the hope is that when that's occurring, whether it's nominal or real wages, hopefully real wages, but actual more money is also being made by people and the economy is growing and kind of hopefully keeping up with that pace. What's happening now because of the climate we're in and how Norm's getting at the fact that it's almost inevitable is you basically have inflation still staying at pace or going up. But now because of the interest rate hikes and other factors in the economy, we're also facing stagnant economic growth, which means 
things aren't going to continue to grow, but inflation is still going to happen. Uh, and that's a very dangerous environment to be in for an economy. And I think for anyone listening out there, it, it really makes you want to sit back and take a take a moment to just think about how that affects you personally. Um, I think, you know, it's super important here. We're talking about houses and real estate and buying goods and assets and all these things. And uh, I would say right now, and this is kind of a little tangent here, but I'd say right now is a good time to trim the extra fat you have of, of, of bad spend in your budget. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so, you know, think about these things. It's super important. Um, you know, whether you're looking at getting a house or not, and you're kind of following the, the story of what's going on with potential recession, the interest rate hikes, all these things, it's a good time to probably build up a little bit of a savings and, and, and cut back a little bit because we are sailing in, in uncharted waters. Um, but that's my little, uh, I guess caveat for the, for the episode there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James. I mean, I completely agree with you on what you said there. I think, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think, I think that stagflation is inevitable because the, the economy that we have, despite the fact that we make it sound like it's great, it's really not. We really are not being very productive in the way that we, especially in the United States, we are not ultra productive and, and that, that shows up in some of that GDP growth. Right. Um, but, we do have a whole boatload of funny money kind of floating around there that we pumped into this market. So you've got lots of, you've got lots of um, cash chasing after a small number of goods and that's inflationary. Um, but also we are, we don't have that strong of an economy so small rate hikes, small changes in in rates can have a pretty uh, pretty big impact on the real economy, um, pushing us into recession while at the same time not slowing down inflation at all. So, you know, that that's something to really be aware of and kind of think through um, and, and vet out and kind of dig deep in the numbers like what we've been talking about here. And think about what does that what does that truly do to real estate prices? Um, in my opinion, I think probably where we're going to go is we're going to go sideways a little bit down, or stay on maybe a little bit pulled back pace of an uptrend than what we've been on. But I think we're going to continue to see that uptrend in in prices um, because I don't think that the Fed can sustain this hike without breaking things. And I think ultimately where they're going to go is they make one, maybe two more hikes. And then you see things really start to collapse in the real economy. And I think that the result of that is the Fed's going to go right back into lowering those interest rates. The market is going to start pricing in lower interest rates. And then for investors, when it comes to real estate, they're going to be back to risk on Let's go accumulate as much as we possibly can, as fast as we possibly can. And those prices are going to get drove up until those rates start to rise again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's a, it's a narrative um, that aligns with where things are going and it's going to be interesting. Uncharted waters. That's my, that's my theme uh, in my mind right now. Uncharted waters. And if everyone thought, if everyone thought like that and they really took a moment to pause and just think 
wow, we as an economy and a society are in unknown waters that we've never been in before. Uh, I really think it would change the frame of thought. Yeah, I could, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. And um, I, I think we've got to be cognizant of it. We have to, as savvy investors out there in the marketplace, especially when it comes to real estate, you know, for this episode, we were talking about how interest rates affect real estate and real estate prices. Like you have to be very cognizant of it. You have to understand and do those, run those calculations, run those equations. You know, we've had mortgage rates from March to today on the commercial side um, have went from 5.75 to 7.25 since March. It's May 4th. Um, So middle of March to today, uh, we've seen that type of an increase. And when it comes to your cash flows, that makes a big, big difference in your cash flows. So you got to be very cognizant of that. You got to pay attention to the way the market's going out there. Make sure that you're not buying into um, kind of inflated prices as you're going to actually purchase stuff. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put in those those low offers on some of this real estate that's out there that um, is being kind of exponentially raised, especially in these cyclical markets, uh, because I think you might be surprised here within the next few, few months, as these rates continue to rise, um, how much of a risk off standpoint, uh, some of these investors get into and how much there really isn't that, isn't that bid in the market, um, that there was literally just one to two months ago. Um, it does have a big effect and, and you gotta be, you got to be paying attention to it. You got to be savvy when you're out there uh, in the market, kind of going through this process. So, James, with that, anything else that you that you have to say before we bring this thing in for a landing? I think that's it. I think it's been a great uh, first episode back. You know, uh, as Norm said, we'll be back at uh, this new time, eight thirty Eastern on Wednesdays. Uh, hopefully, that means we'll catch more of you too, since it's kind of you know hump day in the evening. Maybe you're had a rough day at work or, uh, or just kind of hanging out in the, in the afternoon or evening, wherever you're at and want to tune in and hopefully get some questions. So excited to, uh, you know, get back at it and, and continue to bring you guys uh, content around all these topics. And I, as you could tell from today's episode, there's going to be a lot of exciting, fun things to talk about, given the nature that we're sailing in uncharted waters. Agreed. So, you know, with that, we, we love to hear from everybody. I mean, I said a lot of stuff today that I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who um, disagree with what I had to say. I'm sure there's people who disagreed. I'm sure there's people who agreed. We'd love to hear from both of you. So if you think that I'm full of crap, please say it. Hop on here. Let's have the conversation. Leave us comments. Leave us reviews. Let's talk this thing out. That's what makes a market is the conversation between um, between different investors who are out there and, and, and that's how we meet in the marketplace and how we, how we get our prices. Right. So, um, leave us a review, rate us, come listen. Uh, it, you can find us at platcapital.co. hop on over to platcapital.co. You can leave us a message there. You can get directly in contact with myself or James. And that is where all of our, um, real estate funds are. So if you're interested in Plat capital, you want to learn a little bit more about the funds that we run, um, you can hop on over there to do that. So with that, this has been the Pure Capital Podcast. Thank you all. 
We'll see you next week.